This is episode number 215 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Everybody, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. We're going to continue our series on how to start a public speaking career, and in this session, I'm going to show you a shortcut that you can use by working for an organization that is already established. So the, the first episode, I kind of mentioned a wide variety of approaches, and one of the advantages of working with an established company is that the the company that the speaker that that you would be representing has already really done the hard work. They've already created the content. They vetted that content. They've created a customer base. The downside, by the way, is that the speaker can't really create or promote his or her own content as easily. You can, but it's a little bit more difficult when you're representing another organization. In addition, if the speaker quits working for that company, then he or she will likely have to kind of start from scratch to create their own content and create their own customer base. Uh, So in this episode, I'm going to give you the pros and cons in more detail. I'm also going to give you the step-by-step process that you can use if you want to become a speaker for one of these companies. By the way, this, the episode is sponsored by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear or become a more persuasive speaker, we have two-day public speaking classes coming up in Las Vegas, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Dallas, Charlotte, and Denver. Those are actually coming up in the next month or two. Um, for a list of all of the classes that we're going to be delivering or for details about any of our other programs, just go to fearlesspresentations.com. All right, so let's get on with today's episode. So the title of this session is how to become a certified speaker for an established company, an established presentation company or training company. So the advantages of becoming certified for one of these companies um, are, are, are pretty great. I mean, this is the way, by the way, that my company, the Leaders Institute, attracts some of the highest quality speakers in the industry. I mean, I I remember the first time that I had a high-level instructor candidate call me. It was twenty, almost twenty years ago now. It was in two thousand and three, and at that time, I was still struggling to establish the Leaders Institute as a brand. However, at the time, I had already had a solid place, you know, teaching classes in Dallas, and Houston, and New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. Um, but since it was just me, I was very, very busy and very exhausted. Uh, so uh, one day I received a phone call just out of the blue from a psychologist in Orlando who was looking for a contract position as a speaker. Now, this guy had built a psychology practice from scratch and then sold it. And, and then he began teaching for as a, as a business consultant uh, and helped her build a significant practice. And eventually he and his sister created an art company and and built it up and sold it for a small fortune. So when he called me, he wasn't really looking for a career. He was looking for a way to create kind of a side hustle so that he he wouldn't have to tap into his retirement nest egg for for a decade or so. Um, So he was my first instructor outside of myself. Uh, Interestingly, though, as the company grew, um, in fact, it grew so much during the next couple of years that 
at, at one time, this guy, this, this contract instructor was pulling in over a quarter million dollars every year teaching for my company part-time. Uh, so it was a, it was a win, win, win for everybody involved. My company was able to, to help more people. Uh, clients were able to learn from this guy's experience. And in addition, he was able to add, add to his nest egg instead of tapping into it. He was actually able to add to that retirement nest egg. Um, so there are a lot of established speaking and training companies out there, and they, they tend to hire speakers on a contract basis based, based on their expertise. Now, although it, it's tough, it's tougher to come by these positions. Uh, so if you do find one, it, it's a fantastic shortcut into the professional speaking career, though. So many professional organizations require a certification process. For instance, we do. Um, that means that the company will train the new speaker to be able to deliver the content. Some of the processes are very simple. Um, just as an FYI, I would encourage you to avoid those companies. The more simple it is the less lucrative it's probably going to be for you. Um, however, some are very hard. These companies are, are more interested in establishing a solid brand. So um, they're, the positions are more valuable. I, I like to think that we're, we're in that, uh, that section of the, of the market anyway. So um, before you kind of make the decision to go this route, though, there are some distinct disadvantages for becoming a certified instructor for one of these established companies. Um, some of these companies require that you purchase their certification or purchase a license. Yeah, that means that you need some added or ongoing education. Um, obtaining the certification is not necessarily a disadvantage, but actually can become one. Um, a good example of this was the Franklin Covey organization back in the 1990s. Stephen Covey wrote, wrote the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I think it was in 1987, and it was a big hit. He went on a lot of, he went on a speaking tours and was hired to speak to some of the biggest organizations in the world. And in the mid-1990s, he began to conduct train-the-trainer classes, and these classes speakers paid a fee to become a certified instructor for the content in his in his book and and if i remember correctly i believe that the certification took place in, in just a, it was a short class i think most of the time it was over the weekend or something like that but over the next few years the market was flooded with these amateur speakers spreading the word about stephen covey and luckily he sold his company to the Franklin Planner folks before, before it kind of cratered. Um, however, Franklin Cuffey wasn't so lucky. The, the new company that was created, I mean, their, their public stock dropped to like a dollar a share for, with, for within a few years, and, and the certifications were pretty worthless. So the people who went through that train-the-trainer process just lost the time and lost the money. They didn't re really receive a lot of value from it for the most part. Now, some did, but you know, for the most part, it, it wasn't a very lucrative um, partnership for, for those folks. A similar thing happened to the first Anthony Robbins franchise owners. Uh, I think he finally kind of figured it out, but, but the, in, in the very beginning, he was really the hot uh, motivational speaker on the, on the market, and he sold franchises, and, and within a few years, a bunch of them ended up suing him for their franchise fees and punitive damages because the, the way that he kind of set it up was he set it up 
to where they were just promoting him. <laughs> he was basically saying, hey, come with me and I'll teach you how to be a professional speaker. And in reality, um, most of the people were just kind of selling tickets to his stuff and that kind of thing. So um, wasn't really what they what they expected. And so as a result, created a big kind of uh, a, a lot of turmoil with that group. Um, so one of the things that I would kind of suggest that you do before you start to uh, pitch yourself to one of these companies is look for the company's fruit, look for the successes. You know, my advice is to look for the fruit on the tree. The speaking industry may be full of certification opportunities, but not all of them have a whole lot of value. So if you're being asked to invest in your certification, go find a trainer who has already paid for that certification and is actually making a good living with it. If you can't find one, you might want to stay away from that organization. An easy way to help you kind of make your decision is to base it on other success as a test of longevity. Uh, an association certification process should hold a, a, a history of successes and, and a proven track record of experience from their certificate holders. Uh, even the most committed professional doesn't want to wait around forever to gain success or notoriety. Um, so an, an audience member's attention is, is more quickly earned when it's attached to a well-known name or company. Um, so basically, you're, you're, when you're doing this, you're kind of hitching your wagon to another company. But, so the major disadvantage of hitching your wagon to that company, though, is that in many cases, you're kind of captive to that company. Um, you'll likely be required to sign a non-compete or a non-disclosure agreement with them. Um, so if you ever want to kind of jump ship and start your own company, it's going to be much harder to do. Even if you create your own content and find your own clients, there's always a possibility of your former employer filing a lawsuit against you, even if you've done nothing wrong. So for instance, um, like when uh, I spent a, a few years at within the Dale Carnegie organization um, uh, and, and that's where I kind of started uh, with my career. And so I kind of hitched my wagon to them for a while. And, and when I, when I left though, I had to totally create my own content from scratch. I, I, I had no clients. I had no customers. I, I really had no success, even though I had done quite a bit with that organization, I couldn't use the network of contacts that I'd spent years developing because it was a conflict of interest. Uh, so business owners kind of take pride in their success, you know, the, what, the success that they built and deservedly so. So, so they, they try to protect that. Um, I, I'm, I've had bosses who um, almost take offense or take it as a personal attack when successful people within their company said that they were leaving. Um, although I, I left the company on good terms, you know, my ex-boss came across my new company a year or so later. He went ballistic and threatened to sue me. Um, he assumed that I was using content from his company and assumed that I was trying to take customers from him, which I wasn't. Um, but regardless, because of, of the, um, the situation, because of the non-competes non that you're likely to, to sign, uh, it, it still can, even if you leave and start your own thing and do, and, and do it totally on the up and up, it can still leave a, um, a, a negative kind of inference from the, from the, uh, from the people or the person that you kind of worked for before. Um, the only thing that actually saved me in that situation is, well, I wasn't. <laughs> Basically, I was I was finding my own potential clients. I was creating my own online presence. I was creating my own original content. 
Um, but even though I was doing that, I still had to hire an attorney and send over my new manual for him to approve. And it cost me a fortune at the time I was broke. So, um, so before you, you partner with an established company, check them, check them out thoroughly. Um, you also need to come to terms with the realization that it will, it will be incredibly difficult to break away and start your own company later. Um, so with, with all that being said, there are fantastic advantages. I mean, th- those are just kind of the negatives that, that can happen, but the, the positives really outweigh the, the negatives in, in this kind of situation. Because if you hitch your wagon, so to speak, to one of these established companies and they're really busy and you can help them get even busier, then it can be very, very lucrative and, um, and, it, and, and you won't have to work as hard to kind of establish your own credibility in the marketplace. So here is what I would suggest that you do. If you wanna, if you wanna take this process, here's a, a real step-by-step way to kind of start your speaking career by working for one of these companies. By the way, just so you know, I've hired and trained over a hundred professional instructors none of them ever replied to a job post job posting that I made, right? So no, not a single one ever went on to, um, you know, one of these uh, job posting websites or companies. Uh, in fact, I've never had to post a job opening for a public speaker ever in the history of the company. Um, so don't waste your time looking for posting on job boards or any of those kind of, because these companies are most likely not going, if, if they are there, by the way, there's probably something wrong. Um, you'll likely never see one. And if you do, that's probably a red flag that you probably don't want to work with that company. Um, however, these companies are always looking for new talent, even though they're not, we're not posting stuff. We're always looking for good speakers, good trainers, um, people that have talent. Uh, so don't be discouraged if you can't find a work for us, us link on their websites or anything like that. Uh, many new speakers kind of find their way in by doing the things that I'm going to suggest that you do here in, in this episode. The, 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 they'll help you if you want to work for one of these companies. Um, the first thing that I would suggest that you do is start with Google and LinkedIn. The, the positions are not common, but if you happen to find a solicitation for one, uh, you, you likely wouldn't even want the position, right? <laughs> because you can start, but so um, instead you can start by researching um, either, do, doing some research anyway, either on Google or LinkedIn. I would suggest that you probably start with LinkedIn first. For instance, <clears throat> if you type public speaking training company, Dallas, Texas, into Google, you're going to get a bunch of, of job posting companies first. And then, and you kind of want to skip through those because they're going to be a waste of your time. However, the first Google result after these job posting sites is for, wait for it, fearless presentations, right? Um, let, so let's say I, I want to teach um, internet marketing. I, I, would, I could do a similar search. Let's, let's say I want to be a professional speaker for an internet marketing company. Um, uh, and I just type that in, type those words into um, Google. Um, the, the, when I did that just recently, the third result was a company here in Dallas um, that has three upcoming seminars posted. So if they've got three seminars, it, it, it's likely that someone is teaching them, right? So he or she may need some help. So just replacing the terms with the type of training that you want to specialize in, um, you should be able to find a couple of, of options. So basically just kind of type in 
whatever term that whatever type of training that you want to do, just type that in and then put training company and then the city that, that you're in or the city that you want to kind of post it. So internet marketing training company, Dallas, or, or um, human resource training company, Phoenix, you know, one of those things. And, and you'll, you'll typically find something within the first, probably 10, a company within the first 10 listings that will give you a place to kind of start. So, so once you have one or two of these organizations that might be a good fit for, for you, do your research. I mean, although this seems like an obvious piece of advice, you will, you will most likely only get one shot to get your foot in the door and set a, a good first impression. So you want to make it count. Look up the name of the company in the news on LinkedIn. Look at their social media accounts. See if you can find any information about their leadership or their decision makers. LinkedIn is a great place to do this. In addition, type, type this phrase into Google, become an instructor for, and then type in the name of the company that you're looking for. Most likely, it, it, it's not going to be that easy to find. It, it won't be that easy <laughs> to find a way in, but on occasion, you can get an idea uh, look on LinkedIn for a current or maybe a past instructor. Um, uh, just type in instructor four. And if you go to LinkedIn and type the words instructor four and then the company that you're you're wanting to, to get in with, you might find someone who used to work for the company and just ask that person to help you. Just say, hey, I understand you used to work for such and such. Um, not sure. I, I was thinking about applying there. Do you think that... that how do I do that? You know, something like that. People who no longer work for a company are, are way more honest with their feedback. And so if they left on good terms, they're probably going to tell you that it's a great company. If they left on bad terms, they'll probably tell you why. And so you'll get more insight sometimes by talking to somebody who no longer works there, but who used to work there. In most cases, if you get one of these people to respond to you, their guidance will, will be an effective way to find who to talk to and how to get your foot in the door. Um, the right people will give you some some quick tips for a great way to to help you get in, right? So once you know how to get in, work on your why. So before you contact the company, come up with a few good reasons why the company should want to want you to be a speaker for them. If you don't have an answer, don't bother contacting them. It's a waste of your time and the people that you're talking to time as well. So don't overthink this, by the way. For, for instance, in my industry, an instructor in a new city allows us to expand our reach into that new city. You know, so, so um, like, for instance, right now, uh, post-COVID, uh, we used to have a couple of instructors up in the Northeast. One was in New York. We've had people in, in Boston uh, in the past, but during COVID, all of those people moved. So basically that's a hole where we have. So if somebody just out of the blue uh, was it happened to be in New York City or New Jersey or Boston and um, and contacted me and said, hey, I want to be an instructor for you. I'm in, I'm in a city that it looks like you don't have an instructor right now. And I'm probably going to respond to them very, very quickly. I'm not, I'll check them out first, but I'll probably respond. So, um, so in addition, if you if you have expertise in a certain industry that um, we've not dug into yet, you as an instructor for us would allow us to reach a new audience. Um, for instance, one of the ladies that works for us, um, the way that she got in, um, we didn't actually need somebody in her location, but she specialized in doing 
presentation skills training for uh, for uh, attorneys and for accountants. Um, and we do a lot of public speaking training for attorneys and accountants, but we didn't have anybody that kind of specialized in that industry since she did. It added something to it to that we could promote, right? The bottom line is that your knowledge and expertise in a specific topic can help companies find a new target audience. So once you have your why, you know, now you know how to contact them and you know why they should hire you. Now you want to try to contact the decision maker directly. Uh, for instance, if you call my company's 800 number and ask for a job, you'll end up in a dead end voicemail, I promise you. Right? <laughs> However, if you were to reach out to me directly, I always personally respond. It's call the 800 number, ask for Doug. They'll connect you, right? Um, there's always a high demand for determined people. So most executives will, will reach out personally if they need talented people like you. So in today's world, this is incredibly easy. If you prefer, you, you, um, you could just call the, the 800 number and ask for me personally. A lot of people overlook that simple option, right? Um, however, uh, I personally have a Twitter handle and I've got a LinkedIn account, and which is I check them both on a regular basis. So most often, if somebody just DMs me through either of those routes, I, I will, if, as long as I don't think they're trying to sell me, if they try to sell me something, I probably won't respond. But if somebody said, hey, how, how can I uh, apply to be an instructor for you? Uh, I'm in such and such city, you know, I'm in Charlotte or I'm in, I'm in New York or I'm in Phoenix. Um, if, if they did that, there's a good chance if I see it, I'll, I'll respond. Uh, other people who hire speakers are, are just as likely to respond as well. Uh, the point is, is that you don't have to go out and advertise. We don't have to go out and, and advertise for professional speakers. They, they come to us. <laughs> if, if you don't, you'll never be considered. I've never had to post on websites or job boards or anything like that, because I'll get 15, 20 resumes every month or people contacting me. Um, just as an FYI, just sending a blind resume probably is never going to get you considered. But if you send a resume, call the person who you sent the resume to and even just leave a voicemail and tell them that, hey, you're looking for a, for a position and that they, you sent them their, your resume. There's a good chance just that extra personal attention can, can um, kind of get you up to the top of their list. I, I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen, really? You know, so uh, but the key is you want to be persistent. Send a bio, uh, send a video. Never, 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 never. By the way, just send a resume if you're applying for a speaking job. Um, professional speakers will never send a resume or, or a CV. They, they typically will send a biography. <laughs> so if you do send a resume, you probably want to send it, you send a biography with it. Uh, the biography should be one page or less. Um, it, it, I would encourage you to include a headshot and at least one kind of in-action photo of you speaking to a group. Um, that takes away some of the risk. If you have spoken in front of a group before and you want to be a professional speaker, it's less risky than somebody who just sends a, a, a resume or a one-page bio with, um, you know, typed into a Microsoft Word document or something like that. Uh, in addition, uh, if you can send that, that short video of you speaking to a group, 
um, that can that adds a lot of credibility. Uh, that 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 answers a lot of questions. By the way, if you don't yet have a video, make sure and listen to last week's episode because I give some tips on how to speak within your own industry for associations, that kind of thing. That's a great way to get a professionally made video uh, for free. Yeah, they'll do it for free for you if you if you're one of their guest speakers. Um, and I gave a few tips on how to do that last week. Uh, you might also think about sending in one of your podcast or YouTube videos. If, you, if you've done those, if you haven't, I would suggest that you do that first before you actually start to try to promote yourself as a professional speaker. It's going to give you a way more credibility. Um, it'll, it gives the, the company an idea of what you can offer. And then once you are, once you do uh, speak with this, this decision maker, once you, once you do um, send that person your, your content, afterwards, send a thank you note. Once you've been interviewed, send a personal thank you note or thank you card. Um, I got my first job as a professional speaker over a year after I met the woman who hired me. Um, she and I met for a casual chat over coffee, and, and I sent a thank you card to her immediately after we met. I wasn't actually looking for a job. In fact, I was interviewing her to find out more about what she did. A year later, when I contacted her again, I asked if, if I could work for her. She didn't, she didn't say yes right away, but within six months of that second contact, she hired me. And after I'd been working for her for a while, she reminded me of that thank you card. She said, I'd forgotten all about it, but she kept it. It was actually in a folder with my name on it in, the, in, a, in, a, in a filing old-fashioned filing cabinet, right? So she kept it. She told me that she hired me because of that. Um, she had never had anyone else who had ever asked her for a job that had done that. So um, even though this approach seems kind of old school, it's one of the best ways to get recognized in a positive way. So once you send, um, once you send your, your uh, biography and you have that interview, uh, you have to, have to, have to make sure that you follow up. These people who you're interviewing with are busy. <laughs> No matter how great the interview went, that person will likely be distracted afterward and just forget entirely about you. A week later, make a follow-up phone call asking if, if um, you're still being considered and ask what you can do to move forward. Uh, one week later, do the same thing. Be persistent. Your persistence will have a higher rate of response than, than people who use the interview and done approach where they just interview and then wait for the person to kind of respond to them again. If you really want to be hired by one of these companies, the, these steps will kind of help you a lot. In fact, I'd wager that they're they're practically foolproof. If you just follow those easy steps, um, get out of your comfort zone. Don't don't skip any of the steps. By the way, do your research. Come up with the the way that the the reason why the company should hire you. Make that personal contact and then follow up and be persistent. They're going to love you, and there's a good chance that you get offered a position. All right, so, so next week, we're going to continue with uh, some additional ways that you can kind of break into the speaking industry. Again, this is really one of the most lucrative careers that you can have. It's fun. It's high energy. It's fairly low stress and that kind of thing. So if you, if you want to be a professional speaker, make sure and listen to, to the uh, podcast next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.